really cool study today in Revelation 13. If you have a Bible, let's open up there. Revelation 13, and today we're going to go through verses 11 through 18. And the study is about uh, this individual in the last days who's called the false prophet. Now, you may have remembered in Revelation 13, 1 through 10, we went over the Antichrist. And so, you know, John, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, he talks about the Antichrist. And when John wrote the Bible and his portions, he was talking about how the spirit of the Antichrist was already alive. But one day, there will be a world leader. There will be a global leader uh, who is referred to as the Antichrist. And we saw in verses 1 through 10, basically, that he is going to be possessed by the devil. He's someone that, you know, says that he's the savior. He says that he's the anointed one. He says that he's Christ. But we're going to see in all reality that he is the devil. Now, we as a church, we won't be here. We will have been raptured up already. We're going to be taken out. And then the last seven years of world history are called the tribulation period. And that's what's going to happen here. The Antichrist will rise up. And not only the Antichrist, we're going to see today he has a companion. He has a sidekick. It's kind of like Batman and Robin, but in a negative sense, he is called the false prophet. And so, you know, I don't know where you guys are. You know, some of you here, uh, you're Christians. By God's grace, you place your faith in Jesus Christ. You know the Lord. And when he comes, because he is coming soon, and we see all the signs, when he comes, you're going to be taken out. God's going to rapture us out, just like he took Lot out of Sodom and Gomorrah, just like he took Noah up and out. Uh, of the judgment he will take us up and out as well and so you guys are cool as far as that goes but there might be some here or maybe some who are watching who don't yet know the lord you know and your sins have separated you from god and if you were to die today you would die in your sins and you'd be separated from him forever in eternal torment in a place called hell and then the lake of fire that's why it's so important that you give your life to jesus christ if you don't know him already and not only that, you guys, for those of you who are Christians, if you know Jesus, you should be telling others about Jesus. You should be spending uh, time with your family in Bible studies, with your friends, sharing these things. You know, the highways and, and byways, like I always say, the valleys and the alleys, you have to knock on doors. You have to be open to be sharing the Lord because I was thinking as we're going through this study today that this study especially, I think, is going to be something that if people are here during the tribulation period, they will understand this more than we do because it's going to be right in front of them. So let's just say, for example, you're a dad and you decide to have a Bible study with your family, but let's just say some of your children don't know the Lord. So the day comes and you're sharing these things with them. You're preparing them for this time. And then the day comes and you get raptured and your child gets saved during the tribulation period because you shared these things with them. Because many who thought they were Christians will be left behind. And that's why it's important for us to really man, know kind of the signs of the times. And this study right here is especially applicable during the pandemic, during the rise of socialism, which is leading to probably, you know, who knows, communism. There's a lot of things that I think are relevant. We're talking about China. We're talking about the vaccine. We're talking about the cashless society. All of that is found here in Revelation 13. 
And so let's read the whole text, and then we'll come back and we'll ask a few, tech, a few questions about this false prophet. Revelation 13, beginning in verse 11. It says, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs a great sign so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. And so in verses 1 through 10, you guys might remember, we studied about the first beast who is known as the Antichrist, and you can see that in 1 John 2.18, the Antichrist. But now in verses 11 through 18, we see the false prophet. He's, it says right here in verse 11, another beast. Then I saw another beast. And the question is, where is he from? And verse 11 says that he comes up out of the earth. And so there's a clear contrast between the first beast and the second beast. The first beast comes up out of the sea. We read that in verse 1. But the second beast comes up out of the earth. And so definitely a contrast. Uh, it takes a little research, I think. But when you study the Bible, you, you realize that upping, coming up out of the sea means that the first beast, he comes out, out of the mass of humanity. So more than likely, he's a Gentile. But this one who comes out of the earth, and again, we can't be dogmatic about it, but more than likely, when it says he comes out of the earth, it's literally saying he comes out of the land, and Daniel calls it the glorious land. It's the land of Israel. So the Antichrist from the sea, the mass of humanity, the false prophet coming from the land, the earth, the nationality, maybe he's Jewish. We don't know for sure. I will say this, that as we're going through the book of Revelation, the closer you get to this, the, the clearer it will be. And listen, if any of you here are left behind, if there's some of you here who are, don't really know the Lord, next thing you know, the rapture happens and you're still here, as the time progresses, you're going to understand these things more and more. And you'll be able to identify, well, that's the, the Antichrist. I see the signs and this is the false prophet. He comes up out of the earth. It could be his nationality uh, because the land is usually in reference to Israel. It could be his humanity, that he's just a human. He's only human. And that's interesting because Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 31, that he who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. And so one of the things about the false prophet that's really interesting is he can't do any miracles 
unless he's in the presence of the Antichrist. Now the Antichrist is, has, seven, has Satan living inside of him. He's possessed by the devil. So he's not just human, but the false prophet is. And so maybe when it says he's coming up from the earth, it, maybe it's in reference to his nationality. Maybe it's in reference to his uh, humanity. But thirdly, it might be in reference to his mortality. Because coming up out of the earth, it brings us back to 1 Samuel 28 verse 13, where the Bible says that the king said to her, Do not be afraid. What did you see? And the woman said to Saul, I saw a spirit ascending out of the earth. Now normally, the best commentary in the Bible is the Bible. And this was a time where Samuel came up out of the earth. Now again, we don't know for sure, but just things to think about. The nationality, the humanity, even the mortality. That maybe this is someone who died and God, for whatever reason, allows to come back in this setting. And he ends up being uh, the false prophet. We don't know for sure, but I think the closer you get to it, the more you'll see. And this is why I encourage you guys who are Christians. Now, the rapture comes first. God's going to take us out. But one of the things the Lord has been showing me lately is I've got to share this word with my family. You know, I have kids. We have to have Bible studies. I, I have to, sh- you guys, if you have any chance, share this with your coworkers. Share this with people you know because these are things that are happening because if they get left behind, a lot of them don't know the Lord and you have shared this with them, they might have a better chance to at least accept the Lord during the tribulation period. And they're going to see that false prophet, that guy who's talking a whole bunch of stuff, he's deceiving people. He's, you know, from Israel maybe. He's human. I don't know. This is the spirit of someone who died before. I don't know, but just things to think about. When it comes to the false prophet, number, number one, where is he from? Number two, we see what's he like. And, and look again at verse 11. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke like a dragon. He has two horns like a lamb, uh, which are symbolic, we know, when we read the Bible. Again, this is why it's so important, you guys. That's why I'm encouraging you. Read your Bible and study it and dig in. The horns are always symbolic of power in the Bible. Now, we're not sure why he has these two horns. A lot of speculation. But something I thought that was really interesting regarding the two horns is that perhaps it's because this false prophet is instrumental in the defeat of the two witnesses in Revelation chapter 11. In Revelation chapter 11, remember the two witnesses call fire down from heaven, but this guy does too. All I know is he's given that type of authority. Maybe he has some type of title. You know, we're going to see the false prophet. You guys, a a lot of speculation as far as who he is. Uh, Maybe uh, some believe that maybe he'll be the pope. And, and the only possibility, if it is the Pope one day, um, you know, we know that there's a guy that has this huge power and leader of the Catholic Church. But the only way that that could ever really be possible is if the Pope was inclined to be more inclusive of other religions. Where there's like a, a Pope who, yeah, he's Catholic, but he's saying, oh, Muslims can be saved. And, you know, these guys are Buddhists or all the religions that kind of melt into one, you know, melting pot. And that's even things that we see today. It could be uh, someone like that. 
if you're here, and hopefully you guys aren't, but I'm, keep, I'm telling you, man, you've got to know the Lord. If you don't know the Lord, you're going to get left behind. You've got to look for stuff like this. Uh, Skip Heitzig leans more towards an Islamic false prophet. And we're going to see later that in order for these guys, you know, they, they have to worship the Antichrist. And uh, if they don't, they get beheaded. Now, we know Muslims behead people, don't they? Those that are radical... And so Skip Heitzig was leaning more towards uh, Islamic, the 12th Imam maybe coming and him, you know, a, a movement in that area, something that's interesting. Uh, uh, but, but I think if I were to guess today, I, I think, and I could be wrong, this is just speculation, but I think it's more just this global leader, this political figure, you know, uh, when we see it now, uh, the move towards socialism and even the things we see in communism, especially the things that we see in China today. The leader in China today is interesting, man. This guy has his picture all over the, the churches, all over the mosques. He tells the monks not to, you know, meditate on the words of the, what the Buddhists or Confucius uh, people might meditate on in the past no to meditate on his words if you go to china today i mean it's crazy the crosses are taken down the signs are there saying that if you're under 18 you can't go in i mean it's just they plaster over the ten commandments with the the sayings of their leader uh have I always forget to say his name how to pronounce his name i think it's xi Jinping, something like that but man the guy is deifying himself and he wants to replace all those religions with the worship of himself so when we're, we're talking about the false prophet we don't know for sure who it is all we know is that it just seems like you know things are starting to begin to fall into place to where yeah i could see one day this guy he looks like a lamb the false prophet but in all reality within he's a dragon you know, we see the lamb in the beginning so nice, so innocent, seemingly harmless. But really within, he's a beast by nature. You know, something that's interesting, in the book of Revelation, the word lamb is found 28 times, 27 times in reference to Jesus. Now, when we think of Jesus as the lamb, what do we think of? We think primarily of his blood. His blood that washes away our sins, the sacrifice and service for our salvation. But this lamb right here, the emphasis is on his horns. And that's in, in reference to the way that he has this, this power. So he looks like a lamb. Maybe he claims to be a Christian. But Jesus said, and we need to know this, that by their fruits you will know them. It's not what they profess, it's what they practice that proves whether or not they're true or false. And Jesus warned of uh, these things. Uh, for example, in Matthew 7, verse 15, he said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. And so there are many false prophets today. They look like a lamb, but inside they're wolves. Look like a lamb, but they speak like a dragon. They are deceptive. They are demonic. They are of the devil. There's a lot of that going on today, but one day... There will be not just a false prophet, but the false prophet. Jesus warned us about that. 
He speaks like a dragon. His words are anointed by Satan himself, who is referenced to be the dragon in Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. And how does a dragon talk? A dragon just deceives. I'll bet you almost anything that when the false prophet rises up, his evil will be eloquent and he will sweep people away. It's crazy how sometimes people are more interested in the delivery than the content. And we see that a lot, and that's what's going to happen in those days. All that Satan says is seductive. The language of Lucifer is nothing but lies. When you read the book of Daniel in reference to the Antichrist and in reference to the false prophet, it, it just says it's nothing but blasphemies. He speaks pompous words, which to me, I'm like, well, it can't be somebody who's friendly to Christianity. It really, when I, when I think of blasphemies, it can't be some, to me, I think of it this way, a, re a religious leader who's, you know, okay with Christianity and okay with all the different religions. No, I think this Antichrist is anti-Christian, completely anti-Christian. And, and the way that he speaks and the way that he convinces people and the way that he argues, if you're not careful, you'll be swept away by the false prophet. And we see it today, even the way that the enemy comes in and he has his lies and people in the church even, and I don't know if they really know the Lord, but people in the church sometimes are convinced. You know, like, oh, the argument is, you know, how can there only be one way to heaven? You know, I mean, come on. Why would God do that? They, they think that that doesn't make any sense to them. When to me, I'm just grateful that God made a way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. But, you know, they begin to question those things. And next thing you know, you might buy another lie that says, well, it's a woman's right to choose. That sounds good, but it's a lie. It's a, a child's right to live. Doesn't that make sense for us as Christians? But then you see stuff like that creeping into the church. You have all these gay flags and stuff, and you know their reasoning begins to water everything down. And they're like, "Well, they, you know, let love win or whatever. You know, it's, we choose love, and you know, between a man and a man." And they think that we Christians are bad because we believe what the Bible says that God made them male and female and that is sin that will separate them from God forever and ever and I love them so I tell them the truth I'm not saying that that's the worst sin sin is sin covetous lying you name it pride all that sin and that's another one of them but the argument of the day is anti-christian and so what I'm beginning to see what makes more sense to me what's like the most anti-christian movement of the day and is coming from our government it's coming from our government and it begins to just all make sense that one day there will be this leader and he's just going to be raised up and he's going to answer all the questions of society and we're going to see that he looks like a lamb the false prophet will be pointing to him but inside the false prophet in all reality speaks blasphemies anti-christ anti-christian and inside he's a dragon jesus said in john 8 44 that you know the enemy is a liar that's how he speaks you know here we see where he's from we also see what's what he's like 
But then thirdly, and maybe most importantly, is what's his cause? And we see here, notice again in verse 11, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. And here it is. He causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. So what's the, what's the cause? What's the purpose? What's the mission of the false prophet? It is that the world would bow down to the Antichrist. And why is that? Because the devil has always wanted that. That's what the devil has always wanted. He has just wanted to be worshipped. We see that in Isaiah 14. We see in Ezekiel 28. Later we see if they don't worship him, they don't bow down to him that they die. Now I like what David Gusick said. He said, it may seem strange to us to have the whole world give this kind of worship to the image of a man. But the personality cults of totalitarian governments in the 20th century are a good example of this kind of worship. All we have to do is remember totalitarian states like the Soviet Union or communist China and their omnipresent pictures of Stalin or Mao and we see a pattern that will be ultimately fulfilled by the Antichrist. You know, if you're interested, I encourage you to send me an email, manny at calvarychapelonline.com and I'll shoot you some articles from the New York Post Fox News, other ones that just, that men, they expose the way that that's going on today in China, full on deifying their leader. And, and this is what we see, I believe, is going to happen. That the agenda, the cause, the purpose of this false prophet has caused the whole world to bow down to that leader. Now, you might wonder, well, how can this possibly happen? In all reality, how can, like, people uh, of this age with so much information i mean how can how would they worship a person and you know you might wonder well, how can that possibly happen and what we see right here as we read through the text is that it's a combination of coercion and deception it's a combination of being forced to worship or or, or die making that choice and then also the lying signs and wonders that will be worked. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, it talks about the Antichrist even having signs and wonders that are lying. We read in verse 3 of this chapter that it appears like this Antichrist dies, but he comes back to life. And then we saw in verse 12, the deadly wound is healed, how he calls fire down from heaven. We see that in verse 13. Something that the devil is able to do, according to Job Job chapter 1, verse 16, that's what he does. As a matter of fact, something that's interesting is he convinces the people to make an image of the Antichrist. And then somehow it says in verse 14 and 15 that the breath of life is given to the image. Now, we don't know for sure what this is. Um, I mean, uh, Pastor Chuck was talking about how maybe it's just like John's perception of television, you know? Um, it could be some type of animation. D- David Guzik, again, he said the image of the beast is animated in some way in that it has breath and can speak. Whether the image is animated supernaturally or technologically, the result will be impressive. It could be things like virtual uh, reality. Um, 
I know that uh, I was reading some articles on this. Uh, the owner, is he the owner of Tesla? Eli Musk, is that his name? You know, he wants to implant uh, technology or chips in the brain. Um, we know that nowadays that technology has advanced so much with biochemistry, and even to the point where silicon or sand, you know, and technology, it has a, a great advancements. But when you begin to use that uh, uh, technology with protein, I mean, the things that we see are just right in front of us. All I know is this. It's a combination of coercion and deception. And we could see it just like that, where the whole world will bow down uh, to the beast. And you may say, well, I would never do that. Well, what if you were in this situation? For example, today in Syria. I don't know if you knew this or not. Of course, most of us here know that Syria has been ravaged by war for the last 10 years. That a half a million people have been killed in that war. You know, but if you go there today, and again, this is all being set up. These are things that are happening. And when, during the tribulation period, when, you know, the wars and the famines and all the fighting and violence and pestilence and all that stuff starts happening, all this begins to, to take place. In Syria today, if you want to get a loaf of bread, you will have to wait in line for six hours. If you want to get gas in your car in Syria today, you have to wait in line for six hours. If you're a government worker in Syria today, guess how much you make a month? $20. It takes half a month's wages to earn just two pounds of meat. It's been four months since they've had eggs. So when you're in a situation like that and food is scarce, people are dying, you have to wait six hours just for your government ration of bread. And then some guy comes along with all the answers economically. I tell you what, that it's a combination of coercion and deception. And this guy has the answers that you begin to find yourself deceived. You see, this is the world that we live in, things are happening, they're right around the corner. I want to encourage you just to know this, man, that signs and wonders, they don't dictate truth. It doesn't mean that that church is right on. You got people that are flocking to Bethel. Why? Oh, the worship is great. Sounds and wonders are great. But there's no truth. There's deception. But the church, they want that. They want the feelings. They want the miracles. They want the signs. They follow those types of things. And what we see, however, is, is really the, the true genuine sign of a church, whether or not they're really of the Lord, is, is there truth and is there love. So be careful because signs and wonders, they're going to sweep many people away. Jesus warned in Mark 13 and verse 22, for false Christs and false prophets will rise and show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. You know, Galatians chapter 1 verse 8 says, even if an angel from heaven comes and preaches another gospel, let him be accursed. I mean, you got a whole religion called Mormonism that was founded by supposedly some angel 
the angel Moroni. And so here you are, you got all these people following that. Why? Because they, they forgot what Jesus said, that you don't follow signs and wonders. You got people that are praying to Mary because supposedly she appeared and said, you know, pray the rosary. Listen, signs and wonders don't dictate truth. The Bible does. You know, we see this. Paul's letter to the Galatians. We see that when Moses set the people free from Egypt, when he first did, you know, the signs to prove that it was the Lord, the magicians, they duplicated that. Just because a miracle happens, it doesn't mean that it's God. In Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 5, God warned the people. He said, listen, the day may come where someone comes and they do these dazzling signs and wonders. I'm going to be testing you whether or not you will follow me. We need to know this. Jesus said the same thing in Matthew 24, verse 24. And in Matthew 7, 22 and 23, is an interesting passage. It says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Done many wonders in your name? And then Jesus said, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Believe it or not, there are some people out there who even are miracle workers who don't really know the Lord. So if you see a miracle, don't be deceived by it. Even if you perform a miracle, don't be deceived by it. What we see right here is this signs and wonders in that time, unfortunately, will lead many people astray. We know better. And so my prayer is that we would share the truth of what's ahead. We need to tell people these things because I think the whole world, if they saw a miracle, think about it, your friend who doesn't know the Lord and they see some fire coming down from heaven. They see some, you know, guy with a deadly wound, you know, come back to life. They see an image that becomes, you know, animated to the point where it seems like now it's given life. They would go that way, wouldn't they? They would think that's a God. But you need to tell them ahead that it's not. I, I was reading a story uh, about a dog that had been on an airplane flight and was being picked up by the airport's baggage handlers. Uh, they found the, the cart there at the luggage bay and as they picked up the dog, they noticed that it was dead. And so they panicked because they thought, oh no, we'll, we're going to get sued. There's a lawsuit that might take place. And so what they did is they looked to the dog and they found out what kind it was and the size. And they thought to themselves, you know what we'll do? We'll just get another dog. We'll replace it and uh, we'll take it to the owner and, you know, they'll never know. And so they did that. They thought everything was cool until they arrived and gave the dog to the owner and the owner said that's not my dog and they're like what do you mean and she said my dog's dead <laughs> i was just flying it back to bury it in my backyard <laughs> and, and what's the point here's the point the point is it's hard to deceive someone who knows the truth and that's why it's so important for us to know who Jesus is. It's so important for us to know that we need to be in right relationship with him. It's important for us to know that the rapture is happening, that there's an antichrist, that there's a false prophet. Not that we're looking for them, but we see the signs of all these things. 
You know, the real test of a messenger or ministry and whether or not it's from God has to do, like I said, with love and truth. Here we see that if anyone refuses to worship the image, they will be executed. Verse 15 right here, it says, He will cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 4, it says they're going to get their heads cut off. You know, something that's interesting, just as a quick side note, a lot of, most of the teachers that I read, they talked about the fact that the enemy is just a counterfeit. And so just like we have the Trinity in Christianity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, he has in one sense the unholy Trinity, which is the dragon or the devil, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. Now if you think about it, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to point people to Jesus. Well, the ministry of the false prophet, and this is what we see, is he points people to the Antichrist. And so we see where he's from, the earth, and I believe that speaks of his nationality and humanity, maybe even mortality. We see what he's like. He's like a lamb. He's also like a dragon, ready to deceive. But then we see, well, what is his purpose? What is his cause? Number one, that the world would bow down to the Antichrist. And number two, ultimately, and even more deeply, that the world would belong to the Antichrist. And that's why what he does is he causes everybody in the world to receive the mark of the beast. And that's what we see right here in verse 16 and 17 of Revelation 13. Notice what it says, and he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And that, that's, that's the devil's agenda from day one. That they would bow down to him, that they would, in one sense, belong to him. You know, and what we find right here is really interesting. You know, to the nature of the mark really is in reference to ownership. Remember back in Revelation chapter 7, verse 3, the Bible says, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And so it was God's way of saying, hey, they belong to me. Same thing you read in the book of Ezekiel. People receive the mark. That means they belong to them. If a person receives the mark of the beast, that means they will belong to the beast. And that's what he's always wanted. With this, I believe, more than likely, it's some form of microchip inserted under the skin. Uh, to me, and I think you guys see it, our society is not only willing to do this and we're technologically ready to do this you know I mean every time I use my uh, my phone to pay or my watch to pay or whatever you know um, you got your credit card and you swipe you know banks today they would love a cashless society because I tell you what for every transaction of cash or maybe check it costs them on the average of about 20 cents but an electronic ca uh, transaction costs about a penny the IRS would love a cashless society because of the trillions of dollars that they're losing in tax revenue because of those who are getting paid under the table. You know, the government would love that microchip. Parents, I think, would love the microchip because within seconds they could identify the location of their children or their spouse. <laughs> so to me, of course, looking at this, I mean, it makes perfect sense, right? 
And that's exactly what happens. It's a combination of deception and coercion and everything coming together. The world then belongs, in one sense, to the Antichrist. And they need this mark to buy or sell food and clothing and all the things necessary. Adrian Rogers said, during this time, the only way you'll be able to purchase food is to show a mark. And the only way you'll be able to get medicine is to show a mark. And the only way you'll be able to make any type of payment is to show a mark. The only way you'll fill up your car is to show your mark. The only way you can, you know, order something from Amazon, prove you got the mark. I mean, you know, nowadays, even thinking of the vaccine, and I'm not saying the vaccine is the mark, but you're just seeing how from the governments and, and the power that they're beginning to, to, to get, you know, how they can control people. And, you know, maybe the government won't force you to, but maybe YouTube will, maybe Target will, maybe Amazon will. I don't know, but all I know is that the control, it, it's not only getting stronger, it's starting to make more sense to more people, except for those who know the truth. And that's why for us, looking at this, we're like, Lord, um, you're coming soon, aren't you? You really are. I mean, our nation, think about it, the young people, and some of you young people today, why in the world do they, why do they like Bernie Sanders? What, why are the young people more into like socialism? You know, and everybody, you know, free college and, you know, handouts. Listen, you got to know what the Bible says. The Bible says this, that if you don't work, you don't eat. But the world will tell you, no, we'll just give you food, mijo. You don't have to work. Listen, there's a difference between feeding those who won't work and feeding those who can't work. We'll feed those who can't. We'll feed the disabled. We'll feed them. We'll help them, but we're not going to give handouts to people who are not willing to work for it. But what's, in, what's happening is the young people, they're into socialism, which is just a step away from communism. Do you know what communism is? Communism is what we're talking about right here, where eventually one guy gets all the control, and then, you know, you got China over here. This is, it seems to, to be what we see in Revelation chapter 13. And I don't know how it's going to happen to our country. You know, if this is what we have to experience before the coming of Christ, I mean, none of us are going to be able to stop it. But at least the season that we're in, we can preach the gospel. And we can tell people what's going on. And I believe that that will make a huge difference. The mark of the beast, I don't think it's going to be something that happens accidentally. I don't think it's going to be someone, you know, who gets uh, something that wasn't done like volitionally. It's not going to be ambiguous. It's going to be clear, straight out, full-on allegiance to the Antichrist. And so we don't have to be afraid about stuff like that. It's not going to be questionable. It's going to be clear. But unfortunately, many people will get that mark. You know, the 666 part, I don't know for sure what that is. Maybe you got it figured out. Please tell me what it is. All I know is I trip out on people who have 666 license plates. Have you guys ever seen them? I'm like, man, a 666 license plate? I would get rid of that, you know? But maybe I'm just being uh, superstitious because I don't know if it necessarily works that way. But I do know this, that six is the number of man. Seven is the number of God. 
666. Perhaps it's in reference to, you know, the numerical value of his name. If you're here, and like I said, I hope none of you are here. I hope all of you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you're not just playing church. You're not just half-hearted. You're not just here because you have to be. Your parents made you or your friends made you. No, you really know the Lord or you're watching. I pray that you really know the Lord because if you get left behind, that's when you can probably figure this out. Oh, this is what 666 means. You know, over the years, there have been a lot of suggestions. Uh, the Pope, Napoleon, Hitler, Mussolini, Stalin... Um, you name it. Uh, they have these different formulas, the square roots and numerical value of letters and you name it. Um, but I do know this, something interesting, the epitome of man, I think the way that we have our technology advanced to such a degree, it has a lot to do with that computer. Maybe it has, that's what 666 is all about. I don't know for sure. All I know is that all these things are right in front of us. And the most important thing for me to share with you today is that you have to make sure you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You really, really do. And then, because I know most of you here do know that, but have you been sharing these things with other people? I, I tell you what, and, I, and I, I'm a pastor, you know, and of course I have the responsibility to come up here and share with you guys on Thursdays and Sundays, and every time I do, I get afraid. Every time I do, I still have a nervousness inside of me. Lord, help me to deliver your message accurately. But then when I'm not here, when I'm with my kids or when, when I'm with my friends or when I'm with other people, I'll be honest, uh, there's a part of me that wants to share, but there's a part of me that's a scare, afraid because of rejection. And then the Lord showed me a while back. He said, no, you can't be afraid. They might reject you, but if they do, it's only because they're rejecting me. You need to be bold. You need to tell them. You need to open up the book of Revelation chapter 13 and you need to share this with your friends. Share this with your family because this is where we are. And if they're not ready, they're going to be left behind. If you share with them, Ezekiel chapter 3 and 33 says your hands are clean. But if you don't, there's blood on your hands. That's, these are the days that we're living. These are the days to share. And so I pray that we would. I pray that we would be ready. First John chapter 2, verse 28, it says, And now, little children, abide in him, rest in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence before him and not be ashamed at his coming. You know, you don't want the, the when the Lord comes, imagine you were arguing with your spouse and Jesus comes. That would be horrible, huh? or with your kids, or the Lord comes and you were here, you were looking at pornography, or you were getting high, you were getting drunk. Who knows, you might get left behind. That's between you and the Lord, I don't know. But knowing that the Lord can come at any moment really prompts me to be right with him every moment of my life. I know we're not perfect, but this has to be our hearts. I'll close with this last story. While on a South Pole expedition, this is a true story, British explorer Sir Ernest Shackleton left a few men on Elephant Island promising that he would return later. Later, when he tried to go back, huge icebergs blocked the way. But suddenly, as if by a miracle, uh, an avenue opened in the ice and Shackleton was able to get through. 
His men were ready and waiting, and they quickly scrambled aboard. No sooner had the ship cleared the island than the ice crashed together behind them. Contemplating their narrow escape, the explorer said to his men, It was fortunate you were all packed and ready to go. And they said, We never gave up hope. Whenever the sea was clear of ice, we rolled up our sleeping bags and reminded each other, The boss may come today. When I look out into the world right now, I see the sea is clear of ice. I see the signs of his return. And may we always be ready.